0: Chapter 3, and this is in connection with our confessional reading, which will be Lord's Day 11, about the name Jesus, what the name Jesus means, that he is Savior. And so Galatians 3, we learn about, you know, how we aren't saved, but how we can be saved. Verse 1. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God and was counted to him as righteousness? Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham, and the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, "'In you shall all the nations be blessed.'" So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, and do them. Now it is, it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. To give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it's been ratified. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions, until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. And it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Intermediary. Now an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the Scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free. There is no female and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Let's respond to God's word now by singing from Psalm 62 verses 1, 3, and 4. Read from Lord's Day eleven, talking about Jesus as our Saviour. And in that Psalm we just sang, we talked about how you know God alone is our stronghold. We have to depend completely upon Him. And the New Testament clarifies for that for us by revealing Jesus Christ as our one and only Savior. So Lord's Day eleven. Why is the Son of God called Jesus, that is Savior? Because He saves us from all our sins, and because salvation is not to be sought or found in anyone else. But to those who But do those who seek their salvation or well-being in saints, in themselves, or anywhere else also believe in the only Savior Jesus? No. Although they boast of him in words, they in fact deny the only savior Jesus. For one of two things must be true: either Jesus is a complete savior or those who by true faith or either Jesus is not a complete savior or those who by true faith accept this savior must find in him all that is necessary for their salvation. brothers and sisters what's the biggest problem you are facing right now that's a heavy question what's the biggest issue facing baby Joel right now well there's a famous story about GK Ch- Chesterton who had an, had to answer a similar question. The story goes that along with several other public figures he was asked to give his answer to the question, "What is the biggest problem facing the world right now?" And Chesterton replied short, succinct, "I am. I am" Wrong. I am the biggest problem the world is facing. So what's your biggest problem? Chesterton would say it's found very close to you, right here in your own heart. It's our sinfulness. It's the problem of sin. But where do we go to for help? When the problem's our self, our own hearts, our sinfulness, what does your next-door neighbor, who do they go to to help them with this problem? The problem of their sin, their guilt, their shame. Well, we can't just deal with it on our own, can we, brothers and sisters? Because we obviously are the problem, so you can't go to the problem for a solution. And we can't just call 911 and ask to bring over an ambulance to deal with this issue. You can't just say, well, hopefully this will work, or when it fails, maybe it'll work this time. Maybe if I just try one more time. You see, our our lives are very short. And so everyone in the world, everyone here, you, You need to find the right solution to your greatest problem. We need to seek and to find a way that is certain to work, not just a faint hope, but a certain hope, something that will work. Well, the good news, brothers and sisters, is that God, our Creator and Judge, has given us the way to be saved, from our sins. Every year at this time, at Christmas time, God retells the world, retells us about his divine plan to save us from our sin. This is why God commanded Joseph to name his baby Jesus. In the bulletin we can read the words of Matthew one twenty one. The angel of the Lord told Joseph, you shall call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. And this is the message that God retells the world again. The good news that we need to fill our heads and our hearts with. The good news we need to embrace by faith. The good news that will change every aspect of your life. Every minute of Joel's, life and what is this good news it's that jesus is the only savior from our sins the only savior i changed the theme in points a little well i added uh, points so jesus is our only savior from sin because he saves us first for note takers the penalty of sin he saves us from the penalty of sin second the power of sin second the power of sin and finally the presence of sin so, he saves us from the penalty, power, and presence of sin. So, first off, what is sin? He saves us from the penalty of sin, but what is sin? Well, listen to what one catechism says Sin is rejecting or ignoring God in the world he created, rebelling against him by living without reference to him, and not being and not doing what he requires. In his law, not being or doing what he requires in his law. This is a reference to 1 John 3, 4, where we hear everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Now in society, when someone breaks a law, such as murder, what becomes of them? Well, in the old westerns, they would become an outlaw. They're no longer part of society. They're put outside the protection of the sheriff. But not only that, they're deserving of punishment. If the sheriff catches the outlaw for murdering, he will hang him according to that law. And so sin is law-breaking. But is there a penalty for sin? Is there a penalty? You might know the right answer, yes. But don't we often live our lives as if there isn't a penalty? You know, you'll sometimes see these videos of people intoxicated or high on drugs, and they'll often be caught by the police. And you have the the video from the police, and they're doing something illegal, and the person is so surprised when the cop puts their hands on them to arrest them. They're so surprised. They're beside themselves because they didn't think there would be any consequences. And we can often fall into that kind of delusional thinking. Scripture talks about the wicked and rich men who are wealthy and happy. They think they've escaped all consequences for their corruption. But brothers and sisters, the hard truth, the truth people like you and your neighbor need to know is that you can't just walk away. You can't just reject and rebel the Lord God to make your own little kingdom and expect to have peace, to get away free. You see, God is not a corrupt judge or ruler. In fact, Scripture says that God hates the corrupt judge who lets lawbreakers go. And so there is a penalty for sin, but what is this penalty of sin? Well, in Romans 6.23, you might know these famous words. The Apostle Paul says the wages of sin is death. When we break God's moral law, we earn something. God is going to pay us back our wages, what we've earned. And that paycheck is death. It's physical death, which signifies a second death hell where body and soul are condemned and even though many people even those in the church try to avoid thinking about the penalty of their sins people who suppress the thought about the, those wages they're earning themselves right now and yet there are still people who intuitively just know that they are deserving of punishment for what they have done You probably hear people talk about karma, what comes around, goes around. They'll talk about sinful actions coming back to to haunt them. Oh, this happened to me probably because of what what I did back then. And so how do these kind of people deal with their sins? Well, in Galatians 3, verse 10, Paul tells us how some of these false teachers were, he says, for all who... For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, curse be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them." These false teachers, they were thinking that by doing good, they can convince the judge to set them free. If they use the system of karma or good and bad energy, they can free themselves from that penalty of sin there's this documentary called the one child nation where an interviewer he examines the history of the one child policy in in china and they meet this one older woman who is an abortionist for the one child policy and she she did this for years until she was burdened by the hundreds of children she had murdered And so to deal with this guilt that she had, she turned her life around, and instead of killing children, she began to help parents struggling with infertility. And she had a room just full of banners and pictures of all these children that she had uh, helped bring into the world, a room testifying to the life she had helped bring. And the interviewer asks her in this room, why did you switch to tricks? To treating infertility and she replied, I want to atone for my sins, for all the abortion killings I did. Then she pauses and she says, what goes around comes around. There will be retribution for me. And then she goes on to tell why she started doing this. She tells how a monk told her, you know, if you help people with their infertility and you charge a little less, then each new baby you bring into the world could, could, could reverse a hundred you killed. It could. But when you watch this, you could just tell that the woman, she still didn't really feel free. That retribution was still hanging over her. And it was sad to hear because she was so convicted of her sin Yet she didn't know how to be saved. It doesn't matter if you do a good deed. The penalty still must be paid. To use a more lighthearted illustration, you know, in hockey, if you cross-check someone from behind and you help the guy up, you can't just say to the referee, oh, I helped the guy up. See, I did something good. No, he's going to still send you to the penalty box, isn't he? just because you give your money, your time away for Christ's church, that won't make you right with God. You might be right in the eyes of other people, but not before God. You've still got to pay that penalty. You still have that way, the, way you, the way you live your life will not save you from the penalty of sin from hell. So if you can't save yourselves, brothers and sisters, who can? Well, the story of the entire Bible from beginning to end is that the only one who can save us is God. He is our judge, yes, but he's also the one savior. And this is what we heard in our passage in Galatians 3, verse 13, Christ Christ, Redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. The Son of God was sent by the Father to become a curse in our place. The curse of the law is what? It's death. But Christ died. At Christmas, we remember that Jesus was born, But He was born to die, to die for your sins, to save us from our biggest problem, the problem right here. And so what does this all mean for us? Well, it means that we have to stop trusting ourselves, stop trusting your Christian walk as the basis for being acquitted before God. We have to throw ourselves completely upon Jesus Christ. Trust in Him alone as the only way to escape death, the punishment for our sins. In Jesus, we have complete forgiveness of all our sins. Jesus saves you from the penalty, and He doesn't leave you with the command, you know, each new baby you save could reverse the baby you killed doesn't do that he gives you a certain he gives you a complete forgiveness. no longer are you an outlaw always having to keep watch out for the sheriff who will bring you justice upon your head. Christ paid the penalty and he brings you into Christ's kingdom and he secures you in that kingdom. You have an eternal citizenship as a son or daughter of God. So trust and rest in Christ alone as the one who saves you from the penalty of sin. And this takes us to our second point, that Jesus also saves us from that power of sin. But what is a power, the power of sin? Well, to understand this, we have to know about the fall into sin, What happened there? Satan led Adam and Eve into a great rebellion against God. Humanity, it plunged itself into the domain of darkness. We lived in a kingdom ruled by the rebel Satan. And Adam and Eve and all humans after willingly became sinners and enemies of God. And that means, as you read in the form, we're corrupted from birth, distorted, Our inmost being constantly produces evil and we actually like it. And life, don't you brothers and sisters know this, life can become dominated by the power of sin. But how do we escape this domination, the power of sin? Is there any hope in this life for freedom? Well, in Galatians 3 Verse 22 to 3, verses 2 to 3, Paul addresses a false way that the Galatians were trying to escape the power and allurement of sin. Paul says, let me ask you only this, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? And then verse 5, does he who supply the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? You know, people could think, okay, Jesus saves me from the penalty of sin, but now it's up to me to be freed from the power of sin. I'm struggling with this sin, so now I'll focus on the law I'll just keep the law as best as I can. I can do this. And this is why Paul gets on them. He says, having begun by the Spirit, are you being perfected by the flesh? It's like what Jesus taught in Matthew 12. In Matthew 12, Jesus talks, tells this story about a demon-possessed person. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, It passes through waterless places, seeking rest, but finds none. Then it says, I will return to the house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. And then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits, more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last last state of that person is worse than the first. So it will be with this evil generation." That's what it means to seek to thro- freedom from sin by yourselves. Your state will actually end up worse. You don't fight the sin by the law, but you fight sin by faith. You can't do it on your own. You need the Spirit of Christ. Christ takes you out of your previous family, the family of darkness and sin, And he brings you into the family of God, the kingdom of heaven. And this is what God did in Genesis 3.15 already. Genesis 3.15 says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Right here we see that Jesus separates us from the devil. But not only that, he fills us With the Holy Spirit. He radically transforms who we are. He makes us new men. He makes us new women by the work of the Spirit. And so it is by faith, by trusting that Christ has freed us and by trusting now in His power in us that we fight sin. And so when you're struggling against a sinful attitude or action that just keeps rising up. Don't fight solo. Fight against it, relying on Christ, side by side with the Spirit. Fight it, trusting in God, because Jesus is the only one who can actually save you, free you from the bondage to that sin, the power of sin. And finally, Jesus saves us from the presence of sin. In this Advent season, we not only remember Christ's first coming, but we anticipate, we hope for Christ's second coming. While we wait for Jesus to come again, but while we wait, remain, while we wait for Christ, we still remain in this world of sin. No one here should expect utopia on this side of heaven. And a utopia where we can get rid of sin completely the presence of it, because even if all the world, everyone in the world was suddenly converted, they were all believers, despite that, sin would still remain. You can't go start a Christian colony on Mars or have a monastery high up in the mountains away from the world because sin would follow you wherever you go because we also remain in a body of sin. And so the church and the world need to stop looking to visions of utopia. If you read Revelation, you quickly realize we are not in an age of peace where the presence of sin is going to be gone and everything will be hunky-dory. It's a time of war, it's a time of conflict, And the reason is because even in our own hearts, there's a war. Sin remains in us, and there can be no peace. There can be no peace between sin and God. There can be no peace between the sin in your heart and the spirit of Christ in you. Rather, we must keep our eyes on who? the one Savior, Jesus, the Prince of Peace. He said He will return. He will bring an end to the presence of sin. And so when we are wearied by the sin in the world, when we are wearied by the sin, the presence of sin in our hearts or our communities, when hope seems beyond all hope, do not give up. Do not despair, rather seek and find. Seek and find your only hope in Jesus Christ. He is coming. He will surely cleanse and heal and restore all things. So that sin will never cause pain, will never cause suffering again. When you are surrounded by the presence of sin, brothers and sisters, turn your eyes heavenward. Turn your eyes heavenward and rest in the sure hope that Jesus will save us from the presence of sin. Brothers and sisters, you are your biggest problem. Your sin is your biggest problem. It brings death. It enslaves us to sin more and more. And its presence surrounds us and it clouds out the lights of God. And so do not put your trust in yourself or others to deal with these huge problems. Seek and find the only solution to sin. All of you, put your trust in Jesus Christ to be saved from the penalty of your own sins. Rely on Him alone to fight the sin that remains and put your hope in Jesus, the light of the world. He will return, and his light will heal all things. Amen.